It's the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. I am your host, Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check us out on Discord and Facebook. This week's episode, Peter Slattery is here to talk about his film, Multidimensional, which is out now. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. We don't normally do guests, so we usually do like a historical look, so it's pretty exciting to change it up for a bit. I really appreciate you being oh, my here. My pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So your film is called Multidimensional and it just came out on the 19th, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And it's about your experiences with UFOs over the years, correct? Yes. Okay. And one interesting thing I saw in the, the film was that your first experience with the UFO was when you were 12 years old. Yeah, quite some time ago. Yeah, that was the. It was uh, in a town called Aubrey, in a suburb of Lavington, sort of a small town between Melbourne and Sydney, Australia. So it's it's probably closer to Melbourne, but it's pretty much halfway in between. We could say just a, a ballpark area. And there's a there's a highway that goes from Melbourne to Sydney called the Hume Highway or the Hume Freeway. And yeah, the first sighting I was actually at my leaving my father's house to go down the road to a gas station we call it a petrol station here or a servo and uh yeah on the way down i just uh i, I got probably a block and a half maybe two blocks away from the the service station and there was this the only way i can describe it was it was more like the weight if you pulled a weight off the bar at the gym and you flipped it sideways it pretty much looked like that but this thing was huge like i say it's had to have been about three times the size of a football field. It was absolutely gigantic, and I couldn't really see anything to it except the shape, and it was like a matte grey. Now, it appeared sort of slightly to the right of me in front of me, which is sort of, we could say, just slightly uh, northeast, and it just went west until out of view, but from what I know, nobody ever saw that. I don't know how any, anybody else didn't see that, but that was my first encounter Um yeah, going back to the age of 12. So that was quite some time ago. I'm 37 now. So that was some years ago. Wow. That's a pretty extraordinary sighting. I think a lot of the times other people do see things. They just don't report it maybe out of fear of ridicule or something like that, or maybe they just don't know where to report it to. So it, maybe, it, maybe somebody else did see it. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I do wonder because I do know other people later from that experience that had they hadn't seen that exact object, but people were telling me they were seeing stuff around the exact same area at that time as well. So, um, but you, like you said, there could have been definitely other people see it, but a lot of the time, I think a lot of the the uh, sightings don't go reported, fear of ridicule, or they don't know how to report a number of things, like you said. Yeah. So you've actually had multiple sightings. After this first sightings, uh, after this first sighting, you continued to see more UFOs throughout your life. How often do you see them? Well, now I see them. Sometimes it could be a couple of days in a row. Sometimes it will be weekly or it could be monthly. It's, it's no sort of schedule to it. It sort of just happens when it happens. As weird as this sounds to other people due to what we could say, having contact with some of these intelligences, I think some things just pick up on me, which is getting a bit into the weird stuff now. But uh, yeah, like I filmed one, I saw two last night, the night before, there was a, a craft that I got telepathic communication to walk out and it flew by and I'm about to put that up as well. So it's something that's ongoing and I've got a sanctuary now where people can come and visit and have these experiences themselves. But I don't think you have to even come here. You can be anywhere in the world and experience this type of phenomena. And this is where it gets very laid, but it's an ongoing regular thing. So you put these videos up on your on a website? Uh, yeah, they're up on YouTube. So people go to uh, just type in Peter Maxwell Slattery YouTube channel. It will just come straight up and there's very small percentage of the sightings on there though. What I would say is good quality out of the, the archive that I've got. Um, there's probably like, oh, it's hard to put a figure on it, maybe 50 videos, something like that up. Wow. 
That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, people can go and see it for themselves there. Okay. I'll find that and put it in the description of the episode. If anybody wants the link, it'll be there. Yeah, and one thing that's difficult when getting these videos, a lot of skeptics will say, well, if there's these UFOs all over the place, why don't we have good videos? I've actually seen things in the sky before and tried to record them with my cell phone, things like airplanes or once I tried recording a Mylar balloon, and they just don't show up in cameras really well. So I haven't actually seen your YouTube channel. I'm excited to see how well you've been able to capture these things. Do you just use a cell phone or have you got like a dedicated camera for it? Oh, mate, I've got about... Oh, geez. Like even now, I've put up eight security cameras around the house and in the house. I've got about $20,000 worth of equipment. I've got an a, a Sony A7 um, S2, which is like about a $7,000 camera with a telephoto lens on it. I've got, usually what I'm using is a Panasonic 4K camera with, I think it's 30 times zoom, but it actually does all right. Uh, it goes up to 1500 uh, digital zoom. But usually I'll blow it past, probably get it to about 50 times zoom, but that's a 4K camera. So the thing with my stuff is a lot of it's filmed in 4K. Um, I'd say about a quarter of the time, if not a little bit less, I'm using a tripod. It depends how long they're staying around for and what they're doing because a lot of the time they will appear right overhead and to film something on a tripod directly overhead is quite hard. So um, yeah, like if you go and look through my stuff, some of it's quite clear uh i would say pretty much you know some of the clearest footage out there there's people like antonio urzi and others that have got extremely clear footage uh but yeah i'm using pretty much the best cameras that you can for this type of thing and what happens is sometimes there is an energetic field to it where there is a bit of a distortion i would say most of my stuff only has a slight distortion to it and it's probably from the digital zoom once it's hitting that because i'm trying to push the barriers to try and get it as clear as possible Hmm. Okay. So you have, you have the good stuff. <laughs> Top notch yeah, well, equipment. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just because over the years, it's a constant thing. And then, you know, I've got over 300 witnesses in my home that have seen these stuff, let alone thousands around the world when I've traveled. But you, you get to a point where you just say, you know, bug it. I've just got to get a really good camera. And I've got a few different types where, um, you know, I've got infrared ones for in the home and that I can use outside as well as um, coloured night vision I'm now using as well, which is a psionics camera, which is actually um, the the police and I believe uh, military forces somewhat, from what I've been told, are using some of these psionics cameras as well. So I'm using that mainly for nighttime. The zoom isn't the best, but it, it gives you really good clarity for reference points. One thing you said that was interesting was that you sort of get a feeling that they're there. I've heard other people who have sightings talk about they have like a compulsion, sort of like they are they go outside and they're not really in control of their body. Is it something like that or is it more like you just kind of know that they're there? It's a number of things. What I call it these days, uh, because this is sort of how the interactions work as well, I call it thought transfer. So I'll give you an example because... Before I was known for this, I was the bloke that you'd call to, your, you know, to some of the haunted houses in Australia, and I was doing a lot of paranormal investigation, and I was also logging a lot of UFO reports, trying to figure out basically what was happening for myself, plus nobody was sort of there to help experiences at that time, where people having uh, extraordinary things happen to them. So now these days, especially from the contacts, I'll, I'll just give you rough a couple of examples, like an analogies for how this will work. So sometimes I'll ask people, you know, was there anything going on before this? And it's like they'll say, I just went outside to go and check the mail or I had to go outside and check if the car window was up or if the car was locked. Now, as manual as that sounds, with my experiences at the start, that's how it started in later years, meaning when I was starting to film this on a regular basis. So what I put to researchers and investigators is that that's a thought implanted in their mind that they perceive as they, their own thoughts so for me now i get a thought where here come outside but it sounds like my own thought being projected to me so this is why i call it thought transfer and it's so mundane that as how far as this is going to sound i believe every single human being is having contact on a regular basis, if not daily, even if it's just for a thought or two throughout the day, it's not to say we don't have our own thoughts, 
But when we've got guidance, intuition, or there's a thought coming through like an epiphany, I actually believe that's spirit guides or some form of intelligence that we're working with on the other side communicating to us because that's how it works for me. And sometimes when I'm filming the craft, I'm actually on the craft in my mind, like I'm looking into two screens. I can see the craft with my eyes and I'm filming the craft, but also at the same time in my mind's eye, which is where we have our dreams and inner vision, I'm actually able to see the intelligences on the craft or merge my consciousness with them. Well, that's interesting. And I think that idea is something that everybody's experienced where you feel you know, I have to go outside and check this, or I forgot to do this outside. And it seems like a totally normal thing, but it might not be something that you usually do. What kind yeah. of, yeah. yeah. What kind of UFOs do you see? Are there different types? Oh, mate, like I'm going to be releasing a lot more. I didn't even put, uh, it's such a small percentage, not even double digits of the percentage of things I got in that film, but I've seen uh, orbs, I've seen egg-shaped crafts, I've seen shape-shifting crafts, there's clusters, there's fleets, there's flying saucers, there's discs, uh, cigar-shaped crafts, triangles, um, the list goes on and on, mate. It really is, it sounds ridiculous, and I know that to some people that don't know my story or myself or maybe new to the topic, this is going to sound absolutely psychotic, but I've got to tell it like it is, like, people can go and see the stuff for themselves even at petermaxwellslattery.com or the documentary multidimensional, you can see the vast range of different types of things that I'm capturing. Hmm, interesting. Is there one type of UFO that is more common than the others, or is it pretty much just a mixed bag? Uh, what I would say is the egg-shaped crafts, uh, also the orb-shaped crafts, which are either a white light or they'll be an orange light. And uh, what I would say is there's a various... Um, types of sources and discs that I see as well. They're the main things. Rarely will I see the triangles or the cigars um, or shape-shifting crafts, but uh, there's a lot of stuff I've captured of them type, that type as well. So, yeah, it's mainly the orbs, the egg shape, and then I would say after that would probably be the sources. Do you think there is a different purpose for these? For example, maybe one type is, I don't know, maybe a scout ship and another is for uh, a different purpose, maybe doing... Um, taking mapping of the ground or I don't know, whatever. Do you, is there a purpose you can tell or is it unclear what these ships are here for and what the shapes have to do with what the ship is doing? Well, I, I can't say 100% across the board. I can only go on my experiences what, with, interaction, with interaction with these intelligences. There is what I would say types of orbs which are uh, sent out to do reconnaissance. Um, there is scout ships physical. This is where it gets into the realm of what is it that's the craft either being sent from or a part of because when we're talking about light ships, sometimes there may be a flickering light and it's actually a being in its light body. We could even say an angelic type entity. So some of these crafts are completely non-physical. It's a being in and of itself. Uh, Some of them, when it gets to more physical nuts and bolts, I would say though there's not nuts and bolts in them it would be more of a less advanced civilization that's just a little bit more advanced than us, but it would appear like magic what it can do. Then we've also got the military type of stuff, or not even military, would go beyond that and say we could say covert groups that are using this technology. Um, so it's really across the board why they're being used. I think that some of these intelligences are living right beside us. Um, some have got bases here. Some are coming from different star systems and some are coming coming from complete different realms where there's no planets or stars. Huh. That's fascinating. One type of UFO that you mentioned in your movie that I believe you actually have a film of is the blue orbs that appear in your house. And I got to be honest, this absolutely terrifies me because, you know, your house is your castle. You should be safe in there, but they're even coming into your house. Is, is that correct? Well, yeah, as you can see in the movie, I've got videos of a grey in the house. I've got a grey that was on the roof walking around, and I ended up capturing that outside. I didn't see that at the time. And then these blue orbs. Uh, the blue orbs, the way I can describe it, and I've been talking about this for years, that the blue orbs actually transform into these liquid blue light beings. And through a series of interactions, they told me that they were the Elohim. That's all I can tell you. I'm not trying to get biblical, cultish, anything. That's exactly what they've told me. So... That humanoid form of them projecting into these seven-foot-tall light beings 
And they look normal, nor female, but they do tend to look more masculine. There's no parts to them, but it's actually a, what we could say a projection or them manifesting that from an orb form that their pure state is an orb. Oh, interesting. So do you think you think those are projections and not maybe they're not physically there, at least not as we understand it? Because I remember the pictures, especially the one that was next to your truck, which, oh, man, that just creeps me out. Like, <laughs> it's uh, kind of terrifies, terrifies me. I guess I haven't had an experience like that, though. Maybe if I had, uh, it wouldn't be quite so scary to me. But so do you think oh, that- it's still a bit bit freaky to me, mate. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I interact with these bangs. The greys aren't a regular thing, but that's just freaky to know that something was there, yet I couldn't see it, and I was investigating it, walking around, but nothing was there, but it, it was on the, the image. But, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Oh, that's fine, yeah. Yeah, I guess I was wondering, so do you think, are any of these creatures, are they, like, physically there, or maybe they're just a projection, like you're saying? Well, what I mean by projection is that they turn, they turn from the orb into the seven-foot-tall light being. Like, huh. it's almost like they grow into it in a split second. But what I can tell you is that some of these beings that interact with me are meditating on another planet and projecting themselves, like you're saying. Sometimes they can do that from a craft or they've got assisted technologies. But with the greys, and the, there are many species of greys, what I can tell you is that they can appear completely physical. Though with the video, for example, and even the photo, what I'd say to me that's physical because when I sent the original to Jason Gleaves to do the image analysis, which is UK ex UK Air Force and Aerospace, the original photo is exponentially clear, but it's on a new iPhone that takes these these photos. They're almost like three second exposure shots, and it was extremely clear. The only reason it looks blurred and out of we could say complete clearness is because I've altered it so you don't have to search for it. But it's completely clear, the original photo, and it's in darkness, though. There was two lights nearby. Um, so, yeah, like, the original is completely clear. But, like, for example, with the the alien video with John Vivanko, who had a, he's worked with a team of, like, I think 40 remote viewers on my case, and he's worked for the FBI and NASA as, like, a psychic spy and doing things. Um, he, he, when he remote viewed that video, the conclusion was that it's real, of course. But that there was a there was a craft that crashed landed half in the house and outside. Now, when I say this, it's like an apparition form, like a ghost. And I think he was saying that there was five entities on board that craft. And yeah, like the way I can describe it is that they can appear like ghosts. So they can become more physical, but they can also become like an apparition. This is where I say the paranormal and the UFO and the spiritual communities really need to sort of like look at each other's aspects because this is where it all starts to blend in. That Some people I found that think they're having uh, got hauntings at their home are actually having ET contact. Some that think they're having ET contact, their house is haunted or they've got, um, you know, an intelligent haunting going on in their home. So it really bleeds over because these, I believe, not just – when we're talking about apparitions, but these multidimensional beings, whether they're aliens or angels or what have you, or inner earth beings, we could even probably put Bigfoot and fairies into it, they can cross dimensions and they can appear like a ghost, but they can also physical, physically materialize. But I believe how physical depends on how far of a frequency they're usually operating on. Is, is it too hard for them to come down or are they able to just to break through? Or can they fully materialize because they're closer to this frequency vibrational-wise? I've always found that interesting, the idea of multiple dimensions. And for example, one idea I've had is that, uh, well, this isn't my idea. I've heard it elsewhere. But the idea that, you know, dark matter, that there's all this matter in the universe that we cannot directly observe. And it makes me wonder, is there like a fourth spatial dimension in other words, there's another dimension in the room that we cannot perceive, so there could be something in the room with you, and it just has to sort of turn a dimensional corner to be there if it wants to. Do you think it's something like that, or do you think these dimensions exist elsewhere, and where that elsewhere is is something that we haven't really figured out what it is yet? No, like the way I understand it is that occupying the same sp space and time right now is infinite dimensions and some of them are created most of them are created through thought from other intelligences within god's source created the way i can describe it now for example it's like if you hit a string on the guitar say the top string that's your reality but if you if you change your frequency and hit the string below it then that becomes your reality so it depends on your vibration we've got to remember here and the way I can describe this is we can scientifically today, and I talk about this in my talks and presentations with science, 
We can only see a fraction of 0.005% of physical matter, and that is a very small bandwidth, which is the visible light spectrum. In some cases, we can see the ultraviolet, the infrared, uh, microwaves, gamma waves. This is all basically that and radio frequencies and TV frequencies. That's all we've, we can even perceive, and only a fraction of that 0.005% can we physically see. Again, it's the visible light spectrum. So what's happening is some of these crafts, and I've spoke to Native American elders and Aboriginal elders here in Australia about this because I, I talked to them about this, was that these crafts will land on you in your bed and you might feel a hum and what they can do is vibrate your consciousness on board or even physically on board the craft depending on the, the beings and the intelligence. And what's happening is you're not going anywhere. They're vibrating you to resonate with their frequency and therefore you think you might go into space or you're, you're on another planet. No, you're occupying the same space but you're in a different time you're in a different frequency so you haven't gone anywhere you're exactly where you are but you've, you've phased out and gone into another reality so this is where i think is infinite and i think it depends on your level of consciousness to what you can raise it to what to what you can actually interact with so it might sound far out there but when we look at science science really doesn't know much and especially with what's in the public domain compared to what we could say is not in the public domain that's held back um, even when we look at ancient science, it seems that the ancients had a lot more knowledge and a lot more things looking at the pyramids and other things that we still can't replicate than today. So I think what I say to people is you, even when you're looking at things dimensionally, you've got to throw linear thinking out the window. It's not to say don't be discerning, don't be sceptical. We need those things to be healthy and to come to truth. But if you're going to look at this topic in a linear aspect, you're going to get absolutely nowhere, which it took me years to understand that. You've got to look at things as all possibility, 360 degree unboundedly in every single way, or else you, you're not going to come to it. Because what I say to people is it, it, people want a yes, no, black, white, this way, that way. The shade of gray in between both of, the, both of those things is actually where most of these answers lie, unfortunately. It's not so straightforward. You mentioned that you've encountered multiple different types of aliens, like different species. Are they all, do yeah. they all look like the gray or are there, um, I've heard of like insectoid types before. Uh, Follow-up question to that uh, also is, do any of them communicate with you at all? Or is it just, you just see them and they're observing you? Oh, it was starting out as, as observing since I was about eight years old. Um it wasn't until around 2011 that there was starting to be somewhat a dialogue that there is conversations between us now, mainly through thought projection back and forth where I'm getting thoughts, feelings, and visions from them and I'm projecting thoughts back now. It's going to sound, yeah, again, off the wall, but I've seen various types of greys, various types of insectoid and mantid-type energies and beings. Some of them, sometimes they'll appear as sort of like a holographic form of light being. Different types of what we could say light being forms in and of itself. Um, I've seen feline beings. Uh, I've seen beings that look like they're from the movie E.T., but they've got black eyes and their face is sort of more compacted and they're a lot darker brown. Uh, and a lot of them, a majority of them, what I'll tell you, they look exactly like you and I. You wouldn't even be able to spot the difference if they were in a crowd. Huh, Interesting. That's that's one of the things that you sort of that you discuss in the film is actually that there are hybrid people that have um, hybrid DNA that are walking around. The are we create? Is this like a, a creation, or is this something that was naturally with us from the beginning? Well, the way I described it is that the first humans were manifested through thought, and they were nor male nor female. And this gets into a very convoluted thing through what we can say manipulation over time to create the reincarnation process to allow soul to incarnate into the body. But where we're at now is human beings on this earth are like a super being in the 3D realm. We're a conglomerate of many different races. But what I do tend to find um, from the information that I've been told is that most beings in this sector of space have Lyran genetics. So that's the star system, Vega, is what's there now. The main star of the Lyra system is now no longer with us. And that these beings sort of reached out and put many outposts going back 20 million years ago. Now, when I say that, I believe humans actually go back billions of years. But modern times, and this goes into a story that I'll tell you, that I've covered in other talks also with the king of the Raven tribe, Ulukai Brendan Murray, here in Australia and James Gilliland, 
from the East City Ranch in America because the information I was told by a Pleiadian, uh, and it ties in with them, and you can actually go to this place, place called Gosford Glyphs in Australia. The story is that the ancient Egyptians were coming to Australia to get their ancient knowledge, and there's a wall at this glyph, glyph site, this ancient structure actually, that's got original Egyptian hieroglyphs. Now, there's one down the end of the glyph set that's actually fake that was put there later on to try and discredit, but apparently it's been authenticated, the rest of them, by the Egyptian authorities. Now, what was happening was these pharaohs were coming to Australia to get their mystery school teachings from the Aboriginals, and these two pharaohs one day that were brothers came here, and they stole these rocks that stored the information, the story goes, and the Aboriginals said, you, you can take it, but spirit won't let you take them off the land. So one got bitten by a snake and died on the spot, and the other one got shipwrecked. Basically, as soon as he tried to leave Australia, he got shipwrecked and died. And the other wall, why I'm saying this, the other wall, the glyph steps written in stone is called the Pleiadian Wall that was bought from 100 kilometres away. They can't explain how the wall got there. And it tied in with the information that, I was told, but like I sort of added to it or it added to my story and a few others with the elders and that that I spoke to was that the Pleiadians had come here, manipulated the Denisovian and created this strain Aboriginal to incarnate in and have the human experience. And what I can tell you is, is that Aboriginal remains have been found in so many countries in Japan before the Japanese were there in Africa before the African was there, in India before the Indian was there. And so when you do research into this, I think it's the Africans or the Indians, I'm not sure with, with, which one, but when I talk to the scientists and researchers, in, even I mean, in America they've found Aboriginal remains that predate the Native Americans. But then again, you've had ancient giants there as well that could do that. But what I'm saying is the science is now showing, and it's called an out-of-Australia theory now instead of out-of-Africa that everyone comes out of Africa. Now, I know that the Lyrians were coming here back to 500,000 years ago and that the reptilians had short custodianship and then after that was the Pleiadians were given custodianship and that's when what we could say the modern man that you and I are now through genetic manipulation, which even people like Greg Braden say that around 200,000 years ago, our human that we are now just came into being. They can't explain it. There's no missing link. They can't find it. That is the missing link is what I've just told you is that the Pleiadians came here and manipulated the Denisovian so they could incarnate into it and have the human experience, which is the Australian Aboriginal. And apparently, through really in-depth DNA analysis, you'll actually find that everyone on the planet, no matter how minute, will have Australian Aboriginal DNA. Oh, fascinating. And the scientists, which had Irish background, tested themselves and they even had Aboriginal DNA in them. Not not these little tests that you get where you go online and myancestry.com. That's not going to do it. You need an in-depth analysis and you will have a, 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 um, Aboriginal Australian DNA in you, even if it's a very minute part. Um, so this is where science is now catching up with what I'm, others are saying as well. That's really interesting. Yeah, I was not aware of that, uh, of that um, Egyptian. I mean, that's... I've heard things before where people question that everybody comes from Africa and at the end of the day, conventional science, they go by what they can find in the fossil record. So it's, it's certainly interesting that if they haven't found it yet, then they don't know about it yet. Going back to your UFO sightings, you mentioned that you had group sightings that other people witnessed these things with you. Does this seem to center around like a specific group of people or is it just whoever's with you at the time is, is centered on you personally? Oh, well, what I tend to find is that when I hold these groups, some of them are experiences that actually never had, have had an experience with other people. And some people have gone there and they've never had an experience and then they leave something like that and start having their own experiences. So it's not about me. It's about the intention. I think these things are everywhere, no matter what they are. Sometimes I'm just picking up on them and I've got no connection. Sometimes I do, but it's setting the intention and the vibe for wanting to make and experience something like this because we don't see with our, we see with our brain basically our eyes and our pineal gland are picking up information but really if you're open to something you're going to experience it and that's where the brain can be a block of one's belief system uh whereas just being open to if this stuff's real let's experience it so many people have come to these group um sky watches i've had people that have worked for the air force aerospace engineers you name it and they didn't believe, and when they left, they're like, Pete, all I know is that I'm scratching my head leaving here tonight because I can't explain what the hell I saw here with you tonight. And that's where 
people open up. So it's just something where I think having a good vibe, being open to it, there's a bit more to it than that. But that's the basics. You don't have to be around me to see this. Even just go out and look under the stars and have the intention and you'll see something. Hmm, Okay. Now, you, you've mentioned in the movie that you had missing time that you were able to sort of recapture through hypnosis. I was wondering, do you think that the missing time, is this like a side effect of these interactions that maybe it, when it happens, your brain can't really f- comprehend or focus on it that much, so you just sort of forget it? Or do you think that it's being done intentionally by the beings? That, that In other words, they're making you forget. Mate, you've got it both ways. And I know this now that sometimes what they'll do is they'll give me false memories or an experience and it's only because my human brain can't handle what actually happened. So what happens is the false screen memory, it's not what happened, but the information in it will be symbolic and truthful information that they're trying to relay because I can't either can't remember it or the brain can't decode it. So I think with both things that you said, that's pretty much my understanding how that operates. Okay. That there is a fear factor that some things are just so f- far for like you know, uh, it's like memory wipes got to happen because you can't remember what happened because it's just gonna it's like not time or it's either gonna be too uh, extreme for them. Yeah, and if you're experiencing other dimensions, you your brain just when you look at a shape that you've never seen before, it might not snap into focus if you can't interpret it. So maybe it's just a, f- a matter of your brain's inability to interpret it, anyways. Yeah, well, that's where I say to people, like some of the experiences, it looks like I'm in a kaleidoscope and there's entities within that, but it's just fractal and it's changing and it's living and it's energy. And that's actually what I call the geometric light realms. And it's it's crazy. Like some people will say it's like a psychedelic experience. Some of the artwork that I've seen is sort of like it, but it's like living and it's moving and it's got a life of its own, but there's intelligences within it. So that sort of stuff, even that sort of stuff is uh, sort of hard to break down and decode with some of the experiences in that state too. You mentioned in your show that the governments of the world have made deals with extraterrestrials. Yeah, well, that was James Gilliland's statement, and I've, I've wrote about that because they have, meaning the extraterrestrials have told me about this in the past and that it's there was some what we could say not truthful stuff going on being told to the government with intentions and they could have allied with those that are in service to others or service to self. And so there is a whole, what we could say, a cabal and group behind the scenes that are interacting with some extraterrestrials that I feel don't have our best interests at heart, but there are other ones that do. And what I do say is we've got to remember from my own experience, what I say to people is that 5% pretty much out there are the what we could say the rotten apples making things what they are blocking them from being the way that they could be. So there has been deals made, and I don't think just going back to the Eisenhower administration, I think it goes back a very long time throughout different civilizations on Earth and basically blocking us from our full potential. So I think part of what's going on in the world right now, I think, is the undoing of this. I'm not saying that, you know, this is all due to that, but I think what's happening through the the current crisis we're in worldwide it's actually shining a light that there's more to life and people are actually starting to look into different things and whether it's metaphysics or UFOs or conspiracies, they're sort of opening up to, you know, going there's a possibility that some of this has got something to it because there's some things pl- playing out in the public eye that just don't seem right either. So it's been going on for a long time. Um, we could say these deals and, yeah, that's that's what I could probably say on the matter. Are the deals, uh, do they center around maybe allowing these beings to experiment on humans? Or what are the what are the deals exactly? Do you know that? Well, there is deals where there is the common theme that we hear about within the UFO community that I did have confirmed to me that there was substance to it, that for techno- in the exchange of technology, there could be stuff done to certain humans being abducted, but they went a bit overboard with that. Um, there's been the Pleiadians and what we could say councils of different represent- representatives of a conglomerate of races approach not just the US government, government but other governments are uh, basically just wanting disclosure in a way that they can introduce this great reality to not just the American people but the people of the world. And then you've got some groups that are totally in depth with what we could say black op communities, not just in America but around the world that sort of make a conglomerate that there are reptilians and greys and what I call lower entities that are working 
and there's some very dark stuff going on. I've even been um, tortured and taken to a couple of these places over the years. And there has been not just extraterrestrials, but there's been what I would describe as US and Australian personnel in the facilities that I've been in. And you, so you said you've been to some of these facilities. Well, you wake up and sometimes there's a lot. What I didn't put in the movie was this stuff, but also the hell of a lot of stuff where I've been shot at, black helicopters, uh, surveillance vans and, and people tampering with the phone lines and power lines to the home, um, being broken into and having specifically hard drives stolen and nothing else. So there's and uh, everything on my laptop being uploaded and, and basically I'm being told from the head of the the internet provider company that when they looped it back to five different places in the US where everything on my computer was being uploaded, the last place they could backtrack it to was Sandia Labs and they had to get off the case. Huh. Wow, that's uh that's kind of alarming. <laughs> yeah, well I've got this all on video too, this conversation, because I just got back from the United States and every time I open up my laptop, everyone else's connection cut. And we don't have the best internet here in Australia. So when I rang up and asked what happened, he said to plug the computer up to the modem to discount the Wi-Fi connection, and then all of a sudden, these numbers in a box appeared on the computer in an alarm. And he was really intrigued, and I just, I'd just i never seen anything like this in my life. So he asked me if I could give him the code. From my understanding, he put a type of worm into the computer, and he knew something about this code, which he didn't explain. And basically, what he said was the reason everyone's computer service is shutting down is because the internet's not that great. And it's uploading everything. So everyone's connection's going slow. And then when you put a worm in, it was going to multiple facilities in the United States. And that's where we ended it. Hmm. And do you think they're after your your video and photographic evidence? Or are they tracking your, you know, what you do in your personal life? Um, oh, I think probably both, but also just trying to figure out what the hell I know. Um, I've spoken to some of these people in, in different forms of government and that, but uh, I think it's all of the above, but I think the, te- the technology keeps getting better to where the surveillance gets easier for them as well. Whether it's, if it's hijacking and, and overshadowing social media or emails or the telephone conversations, I think it just gets easier and easier. So there's nothing to hide. Um, I pretty much share a lot of the best stuff that I've got. There's a lot of volume to the work that I've got me to, to present. But if they want it, they can just come and knock on the door and I'll show it to them and we can have a talk about it. They don't need to be doing this type of stuff about it. It's just, um, yeah, it's just the way that they operate, I guess, with the new age of the, uh, you know, what do we call it, the uh, NSA. You know, that came out to light many years ago that everything was pretty much being monitored. And I think the technology that we know of that the NSA is using is very low level to what they're really using now. Like, you know, years later after it came to light that they were doing what they're doing, can you imagine where they are now? It would be a piece of cake to just get whatever they want on anyone. Right. I'm I'm actually pretty much convinced that they can surveil all of us at any time that they want. And you may as well just not worry about it, you know, <laughs> because yeah, 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 we're all being watched all the time, probably. <laughs> well, what? I think, yeah, it's it, like we should have our freedoms and our own privacy, but at the same time, I think it is that way now. I think it doesn't matter what you try to do, what app you're using, what devices you're using. The the technology I knew that they had even in the 90s, I heard about that we had access to in Australia where they could get a satellite and they could they could see thermally through a roof of a home a 50-cent piece on the ground in a kitchen back in the 90s in Australia with what they had access to. Wow. I remember... So, I remember yeah. hearing about a device they had that was basically they could shine a laser on a window and they could listen to your conversation inside of that room because the window would vibrate like a speaker, only the vibrations would be really small. So they'd need like something really sensitive in order to capture it. And this is going back years and years. I mean, who knows how old yeah, this, this technology is. is. I knew about that in Australia. I knew that um, that was being deployed in Australia with certain police and that sort of thing back in the 90s. I yeah. heard stories going around that that's what they were using for, um, you know, investigations and things like that. So um, the technology is getting better and better. And so I think like anything like that, like we're talking going back to the 90s that I think police and military were implementing stuff like that. And even certain what we could say um, civilian spies or, uh, you know, people being hired for private investigation i even heard stories where they had access to this sort of stuff as well so uh maybe not to the extreme that the military do or the police but there was some exotic stuff out there that they had access to as well so it's pretty crazy yeah and and like you said imagine what they have now it's 
you know, <laughs> it might seem like magic to the average person. Wouldn't even know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You put the iPhone back to 25 years ago and people would think that that's magic the way it was compared to the other, you know, phones that were around at that time. Right. One thing you mentioned in your movie was that uh, during hypnosis, a being was speaking through you. And I was curious, is this was this like an actual being that was inhabiting you or was it like an implanted message or memory? Do you know exactly how that was working, how that functioned? Yeah, so uh, there, there is the full video somewhere up on YouTube. Uh, the way I could describe it is that a few minutes into the hypnotherapy session, I was, it looked like I was convulsing, but people, people who watched it, they go, you can tell it's not Pete doing that. It's literally like my body's convulsing, but not extremely. It's more like I'm vibrating and I'm vibrating to the point where you can actually see it. It's not like something you got to feel me. You can see me shaking. And all of a sudden I just, the, the human me just pops up and it starts complete, <coughs> pardon me, completely talking in a different voice. Even the shape of the eyes, even as they closed, started to go almost almond-like as well. Like sort of, it, it's really weird. But what I remember at that point was me being shifted out of the body looking down. And I could see an entity in my body and I could see boxes on the other side of my body that looked like to be going to different dimensions with different groups of races in it. And in that video and in that session... Mary asked a lot of questions, hypnotherapist Mary Rodwell, and this being basically told her that Pete knows he's stubborn pretty much to a lot of different things and that they would be giving me more evidence in time. And you can even see the being in me acting as me, like it looks like me, but there's another intelligence in my body. It's basically what I was saying was it getting the go-ahead to answer what it could and couldn't answer from the beings that were in. It looked like almost like the Brady Bunch intro, but there was different intelligences in these different boxes that were holographically that I could see um, in an etheric form because I went into what we could say into a soul form and I've shifted out of the body and I could see all these, you know, the boxes, the beings in it and then the being inside me and it was just, it took on a life of its own, which I didn't expect. Something sort of felt like this might happen to something weird like this. I didn't expect it to be this to this extent. Um, and... I did another two regressions after that with another person and I stopped after that because it was just it was just full on. It was just I knew the information that I needed to know already so it wasn't helping me there. It was more weird stuff happening like um, lights being turned on and off on demand, the cameras being turned on and off on demand and then when I came back to the body, I probably cried for like 45 minutes the last time I did it because it was so heavy when I jump back into the human body that I realize why baby's crying is because it's so heavy and dense here. That's what I feel anyway, because I, it was just so heavy that I didn't want to do a regression after that. And I didn't really need to. It was just the reason I did it was because I had missing time for the first time from what I recall. And Mary offered to do it to see if we could get some resolution on it. And um, that was why it was done. And then the other couple of times, it was sort of trying to glean more information on different things. But it was nothing new to me. I knew pretty much what was being relayed a large majority of it. Wow, that's fascinating. It also sounds kind of terrifying <laughs> if I could, for, for me, if I'm being honest. Because, you know, if, you, if you're leaving your body and the, another being is inhabiting, it, it seems like there's possibly a certain loss of control there maybe. And it's just, uh, that's one thing that I think a lot of people are you know terrified of is the loss of control over yourself yeah well it, it there was that sort of effect to where it took me days if not weeks to sort of, and even now i can't watch it um that's why i just put a small clip in the movie it's something i don't really want to get into meaning just watching it because it's sort of uh it sort of hits you still it's like you know what the hell you know it's like no matter no matter how many times i see a small clip or or, or somebody shows it to me I just don't really want to watch it. Um, mm -hmm. But there is that component. But at the same time, knowing now what I do about who they are, what they are, and their intentions and their connection to me, I know that they wouldn't do anything like that. But then this goes to show what they, that there is a negative force out there that I have dealt with that do possess people, that do manipulation. And what I can say to people is possession and everything that I'm talking about is 100% real. And it's a lot to take in for people, I know that, but it opens you up to the whole ramifications of all this as well as of what's possible 
and what they can do on a spiritual level, especially the amount of people out there that probably think they, they've got mental illness, but they're actually either experiencing this stuff or they've been possessed by an entity. So are these these entities, are there a, some of them are good and some of them are bad, or do you know what their goals might be when they're possessing people? Well, let's say possession straight up would be a negative thing, would be a negative entity. In this case, it was to try and talk through me to get through to me because I wasn't, I was being stubborn, as they say, and I'm still sitting on a lot of stuff that I don't speak about. So when it comes to your average possession, that's a very negative thing. Um, it's... It's going against one's free will. It's destroying a lot of people's lives in, in so, if not all cases, or we'll say nearly all cases. But when it comes to something like what happened with me, it was almost being invoked, we could say, because to, to, I was so frustrated wanting answers. But then you do have overshadowing at times, uh, which is where spirit guides or other entities will overshadow. They're not fully possessing, but they're overshadowing somebody to speak through them or to do something. Sometimes it can be a life-saving uh, situation. Sometimes it's to inform somebody with information that could be life-saving or life-changing. So it, it, there is this sort of battle going on of good and bad of the what we could say the uh, the beings of the light and the beings of what I call the lower light that are distorted and void of light. There's this, there is this duality within source that the way I understand it, the negative is in place to help one raise their consciousness above the negativity so we go through an evolutionary process and evolve. And this is where, just like in life, how can you evolve if you don't get out of your comfort zone? And that comfort zone, um, to get out of it, can be very uncomfortable. It can be very um, daunting. It can be very negative in some cases. But what can be waiting on the other side can be more amazing than what m most humans can imagine. Huh, interesting. I never thought about it that way. So I guess there's there's a lot of different aspects to it then. Oh, this get this is so laid, mate. Like we could go on and on with this and that's the thing that it's an ever reconnecting journey for myself and so interesting because it's just so laid. Like when I first what we could say publicly went public about this and I was on the news and morning news TV shows and preaching the word of We've got to, you know, listen to these astronauts and military witnesses and people that are willing to testify to Congress and the Australian UFO files, this and that. It's like I looked at it back then and now I look back and go, one is I probably shouldn't have done that because I don't think a lot of people are ready for it. Um, or back then, I've been proved differently now because a lot of people are open to this and I've been proved right about a lot of that now. But if people aren't open to it, it's just not – they can't fathom it. And so I think each person has to be respected that they're on their own journey and that's up to them if they delve into this stuff. But when you delve into it, so many well-known researchers I've spoken to, they think that they can solve this in six months, a year, or they can investigate it and get down to if it's truthful or fake or whatever they want to say. And those same people are here 20, 30, 40 years later and they still don't know what the hell is going on. And I can tell you, I know a hell of a lot, but I still wouldn't even know 1% out of a trillion percent of what the hell's going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite an interesting topic. You mentioned in the movie that they they uh, these beings appear to be looking for people with specific attributes or specific types of people. What type of people are they looking for or what attributes? I think it's the soul. I don't think it's just the physical body. I think it, if it's genetic stuff, yes or there's that component to it. But I think it's the soul lineage of what that person is because what I've come to find, and this is where it gets very convoluted, some of these beings that I'm interacting with are different aspects of me in different times and different places because all our lives are happening at the same time. And some of these beings I fully remember like old friends and I didn't know how at the start. And I do have a little bit of past life recall before incarnating into the body and that was with the blue light beings I spoke to of. So there is a component that what's happening is some people are experiencing these experiences because of who they are on a soul level that they're here, they've got a mission, and whether it's to hold space for humanity, whether it's to contribute through um, education on whatever matter, it could even be technology, it doesn't just have to be spiritual, it's tr trying to uplift the human race and the consciousness into an operation, what I call Operation Starseed, where I believe everyone starseeds unless they've come directly from source and haven't incarnated before, but there is an operation in place that I call Operation Starseed where many beings that are highly evolved have incarnated here to play a part within the human experience to help uplift the human ex human being itself. 
to their full potential. And that's what we're sort of in the midst of now with all this turmoil and these crises and trials and tribulations is humanity getting to that. We have to go through the dark night of the soul to reach that. So the, they have a, an end goal agenda would be to basically elevate us to something greater than what we are today. Yes, but through us realizing it ourselves, they're not. What I say to people is, these beings aren't going to fix anything. They might stop. We could say nuclear explosions and and um, certain. We could say hardcore events that we can't even fathom. But when it talks, when, when it comes to talking about you know socially, politically, um, technologically, all the things that we're based around. It's up to us to do it. This is what I keep telling the people. Don't look up to the ETs and think that they're going to solve this. They're trying to find us that we've got the power within us. And this is where I find them to be truthful that as I speak about commonly, these beings themselves are trying to ascend themselves to a higher state of consciousness. They're not even there yet, but they're more evolved, we could say, in some ways than us in a different way. So this is where they're not gods. They're not like all-knowing. They're actually striving and they've been through what we've been through. And some of them are actually our ancestors or future offspring. So this is where it gets very laid. So if they're, um, they, they could be our ancestors or our future offspring, do they exist outside of time as we know it? Uh, yes, because they're coming from a different time. So it's like if we look at the Pleiades now, and I believe it's 440 light years away, we're not even seeing the Pleiades how it is, but some of the Pleiades that I'm interacting with, they're occupying the same space, but they're in a different frequency and a different time. So this is where it, it gets convoluted. It's not just, see again, if we're going to look at this linear, even if we look at the Pleiades, you're not going to see it until 440 uh uh, light years after the fact and then again if you're trying to think that they're in our frequency you're not going to see them because they operate they're they're an evolved version of us that are in a higher dimension because they've risen to the occasion and they've ascended to that dimension hmm. okay so even when i've been in star systems with them on ships what they've shown me is that they can phase and all of a sudden we go into a different frequency occupying the same space. Sometimes the same planets and stars exist. Sometimes there's different planets, but there's a few of the ones that were in the original frequency. And then sometimes we shift completely and there's different stars and planets occupying the same space, but not hmm. the same time that we're in before we shifted. And it's interesting. So you mentioned before that when you go on their ships and you travel to somewhere else with them, it's more of like a multidimensional traveling and that you're physically not necessarily leaving where you're at now, but they're, they're sort of transferring you to their ship and you, you don't, you can go there without leaving where you are currently. Yeah. It just depends. I have done some physical uh, experiences, but they, the way this is operating again, it's not linear. They can just jump. They just jump anywhere. They like. I, I, there's even one being from Orion that I interact with, and, and the Elohim can do this as well. It will physically manifest, and it sort of looks Native American, sort of between Asian, Native American, and a Caucasian, tall and slender, and then he'll turn into his into a light being with a field around it, encapsulate me in it with my physical body, and then we teleport to where it wants to take me. Now, when this happens, how do you interact with them? Are you more of an observer following along or do you get to have conversations, maybe experience their culture? Like, do they have music and games? What happens? It's different with each individual, but predominantly what happens is it's meetings or, uh, well, it's basically meetings. That's what's going on or, or conversations about some uh, majority of things I can't even speak about, which I hate to say, but... Um, it depends on the place and the entity, like where I've got to go. So what I would say is in the original phases of all this, yes, it was purely being the observer. Because when you're interfacing and a common thing across the board is I'm getting thoughts, visions and feelings projected to me while I'm looking at them. And so over time what I started to realize was that I can project through intention um, a thought back to them, which would be my question. And then they're projecting, it's almost like books of information are being thrown into my human consciousness. So even within a matter of seconds, I could have a book on an entire topic 
and it's just all known. Like what I need to know about that's just known instantaneously. It's not like linear thinking or training where you could spend months, if not years, studying a certain topic. It's just projected into your consciousness straight away. So there, you know, it got to the occasion where now. I'm able to project – there's sort of like a two-way dialogue going on. They're projecting thoughts, feelings, and visions to me, and I just project the thought to them. I don't go through thoughts, feelings, and visions. I'll just project the thought back to them, and then they'll give me thoughts, feelings, and visions back. So in the original phase, because you're in awe, you're trying to realize what the hell is going on. You sort of know who these beings are, but you don't know who they are at the same time. It's like a really weird thing. But then you get to a point where – um, you've got this two-way dialogue that started in later years. So, yeah, it's a bit of both now. Still, I'd say being the observer is the main thing because being the observer, you're just observing the information, you're observing what you're seeing, you're observing what you're feeling, smelling, um, all those things through the senses. One thing from the movie that you actually had pictures of was you had marks on your body. From Now, was this from when you went with them or what was the cause of these marks and do you know what the purpose of them were? Um... In that case, there, I've got scoop marks and everything too, uh, like different ones that weren't shown in the film. I've got a heap of them over the years of photos of them. But uh, sometimes it will be a genetic thing. But in that case, it was more like a checkup. Because what they'll do sometimes is when they take my physical body to another realm, or we could say on a ship, Sometimes what happens is they'll take me up a frequency and then I can't go any higher. So they pull the consciousness out of the human body and I go in a light body form to where I've got to go and they'll leave the physical body. But sometimes they'll do upgrades. They'll tinker with the physical body and they'll be stuffed on an ethereal level. And then they've got to merge the light body back to the physical body and then they'll put me back. And so what I remember from that experience was that that was sort of a checkup to see how that went the last time I was put back together in terms of the spiritual aspect put with the physical and how things were going, almost like what we could say is a doctor checkup. But it was, as you can see, it's three little scoop holes within one scoop and it glowed under black light for like, oh, I can't remember how long, but for a while. And have you ever had any implants or anything like that? Yes, uh, what I could say is more of the biological nature um, and there's times that they'll put some in me for advancing certain abilities or to help with certain abilities and then they'll pull them out as well. So they, what I say is that a lot of these implants, yes, we've got Dr. Roger Lea who uh, done fantastic work, he's no longer with us, where they're looking at the isotopic ratio of how some of these implants were constructed and it's shown that it wasn't done from anything here on earth. So you can have an ele two elements that are the same element, but the way that the isotopic ratio of how they're constructed can be completely different. And we're pretty much ca catalogued from what I know how everything on Earth is. And the, the, he was finding stuff that was like a meteorite or off Earth. But what people are unaware of is that there's biological implants where they can make implants from the material within your body. Huh, interesting. And they can literally... Yeah, so if you do some in, uh, interesting research on, if you do some research on biological implants, you'll see how there's been ones pulled out to where they there's even an aerial that's biological made from the person's body, and it's pretty much like a uh, transmitter receiver, and it's made from the human's body, and they do that through consciousness by projecting it into the human body with the with the oversoul of trying to get the body to do something like this. So, and that way it's undetected as well, unless it's uncomfortable for the person in some cases, but because it's your own material, it can go undetected. Yeah. And that does make a lot more sense than Im implanting you with say, I don't know, a computer chip made out of silicone, which is something that your body would reject over time, but using your own tissues, that makes a lot more sense for an implant. Yes. Well, that's the weird thing too, even with the physical ones is that the, the implants were encapsulated in a membrane. That, like Dr. Roger Lee used to say with the physical implants, normally something in the body will either it'll sort of like look like it's infected or get encapsulated with pus and push out of the body. In each case, these metal materials, they, they were encapsulated in some type of membrane that prevented it uh, having a, rea a negative reaction to the body to where the body would usually push it out. So that's pretty weird as well. Yeah. Before we wrap it up, I just have one more question for you. In your bio online, I saw it said that you're a musician. Do you play in a band or what sort of instrument do you play? Well, years ago, I, I've played drums, guitar, bass, piano, um, and I did music for quite a while. I, I was doing what we could say, it was sort of like rap rock for years. And it was under the name P-Max, which was short for Peter Maxwell. 
And so I did that for, geez, for a lot of years. It was sort of something that I dedicated a lot of time to. But there's, there's some stuff you can find online um, of that. It's sort of like not where I'm at these days because it's just, you know, it was sort of like punk rock rap sort of stuff. But that was something, a part of my life. But I still like to pick up the acoustic guitar and give a play every now and then. And, um, yeah, I could, I could say that that was a very artistic part of me that a lot of energy in the youth went into that as well. Okay, well, thanks. And before we finish up, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and your websites and anything else that you that they can look for you online? Yeah, so if you just go to petermaxwellsattery.com, uh, there's links there to all social media and, and um, YouTube, everything else. So if they just go to petermaxwellsattery.com, they can find links to all the works that I've, I've done and, uh, you know, talks, presentations, things like that, everything in one spot. Okay. Thanks a lot. And I'll put that in the description for this podcast as well. Well, thanks for coming on. It was a fascinating, uh, fascinating discussion. Usually on this show, we look at more of the nuts and bolts side of these things. So it was really fascinating for me to hear from somebody who has personal experiences with something outside of my normal, I guess, purview or however you might say it. But I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much.